In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God was looking for several righteous people. He was looking for several righteous people in order to start a new clan, a new family, if you would consider that. He thought that the people on earth that were not doing such a good job, so he wanted to create a new group of people in order to show that there is righteousness on the earth. So he thought the best thing that he would do was he would send these righteous people an email. He'd send them an email because that's the way we all communicate these days. We don't talk to each other anymore. We either send an email or a text. So he sent an email out to these righteous people and he gave them a list of things to do in order to live a righteous lifestyle. Told them everything that they need to do to live a righteous lifestyle. Do you know what the email said? I didn't get the email either, so we'll all have to wait and see. But you see, God is looking for righteous people. God is looking for people that are going to do the right thing at the right time. In today's gospel passage, the Lord encounters a woman who is grieving not only her son, but her way of life. She's grieving her son because her only son has passed away, but she's grieving her lifestyle because she's a widow and if her only son passed away, that means she has nobody now to take care of her in her old age. That means that she'll be an outcast in society. That means that she'll be forgotten. Who will work to bring home her food for her? Who will work to do the things that honor her? The woman is mourning desperately. So if you can imagine that there's a procession coming from one end of grieving people, people mourning. And in those biblical days, you have to also know that those that were mourning hired professional mourners as well. People that cried loudly so that they can invoke emotion to other people so that everybody would cry and be very sad. So if you could imagine this loud procession of people grieving the loss of a young man. And when a young person dies, we all scratch our head and say, why is it that this young person has lost their life? And then there's another group of people coming with Christ, who's teaching them this new way of life, who's doing these things that are magical, spiritual, things they've never seen on earth before. He's taking loaves of bread and multiplying them for thousands of people to eat. He's taking two fish and multiplying it for thousands of people to eat. He's healing the sick. He's giving sight to the blind. He's healing those who have leprosy, bringing them back into society. And if you can remember, most of the time, when Christ encounters somebody of faith, he says to them, what is it that you want me to do for you? You remember the centurion? When he says, Lord, by your word, my daughter can be made well. He asks the blind man, would you like to receive your sight? But in this case, the Lord doesn't ask the woman, what do you want? The Lord doesn't ask anybody in that grieving section of professional mourners and natural mourners, what do you want me to do? He walks up and he simply reaches out and grabs the hand of this young man and brings him back to life because that's what Jesus can do. He brings us back to life. There's a lot of evil happening in our world. And St. Paul talks about it in his letter to the Corinthians and he talks about how there's, through great endurance, afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, tumults, labors in our life. 
in our world, in the news, how sad I am about what happened in Lancaster this week. How devastating it was that I never even met the man who lost his life. But in the tragic, horrific, nasty, terrible way in which his life was taken, we know that there are calamities in this world. But St. Paul says that through watching, through hunger, through, puri through purity and knowledge, forbearance, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God, we can overcome all of that. We can overcome all of that. You know, there are some news channels that don't give you all the news, and there are some channels that give you too much news. And when you listen to both of those different channels and you try to piece together the story, your mind starts to wander. Or I don't know if your mind does, but I'll speak for myself. My mind starts to wander and spin out of control, and I start to think the worst. So my cousin is a sheriff up in that area of, the, of our state. And when I heard that a sheriff was shot up there, the first thing I did was I jumped on the phone to call my cousin to make sure he's okay. My heart stopped thinking that it was, now it's personal. This could be something that's influencing, I'm sorry, infecting my life. Thank God about 45 minutes later he called me back and said, thanks cuz for thinking about me, but I'm okay. Then as the news came out, we found out who this sergeant was and the nasty, horrific, details of his passing, we find out that there are such evil in the world. And in our funeral processions of life, in the sadness in which we walk, in the manner in which we go about life and grieving these evil things that happen, we have to make room for Jesus to come because he will come and touch it when we're least expecting it. He will come and he will transform it. He will resurrect it when we're least expecting it. Whatever it is you're going through in your life, whatever problem it is, whatever hardship, calamity, tumult that you're going through, challenge that you're having in life, if you leave an avenue open for Christ, he's going to come and touch it. And whether he grabs it by the hand and he raises it and gives it back to you alive and well, or whether he touches it and he stands by your side and sits with you in your sorrow, you have to allow Jesus to come. What are we doing in our lives to allow Jesus into our lives? I say this all the time, and I mean it, and I'm not joking, and I'm being sincere. But any chimpanzee, and I've seen it at Universal Studios when I used to work there, any chimpanzee or orangutan can be trained to do anything. You can train them to do their cross. You can train them to put a dollar in the tray and light a candle. You can train them. But if you're not doing it with your mind and your heart and your entire body, does it mean anything? If you leave here and you go back to living the way that you did, does it mean anything? If there's hardness in your heart, if there's sadness in your soul, if there's anxiety and depression and challenges, worry and stress that's holding you down, are you allowing God to touch it and to change it somehow? Or are you just going back into the world and spinning your wheels and then coming back here the next week hoping for some sort of magic to happen?
We had a great Bible study on Tuesday night. And if you're not coming to Bible study on Tuesday nights, you really should consider coming to Bible study on Tuesday nights. Uh, we're starting back up on November 1st. I'm not getting any, I'm not getting paid for that commercial. But come to the Bible studies on November 1st. But we had a great talk about why God allows evil to happen in this world. Why God lets evil happen. And God doesn't let evil happen. He doesn't. I want you people who have a child to think back to the days in which you taught your child how to ride a bicycle. Remember the days in which you were running, holding that seat while your child was learning to ride a bicycle? I got to teach one child how to ride a bicycle. Jacob got on the bike by himself and started riding, and then Jacob taught Elena how to ride. So I had the opportunity to teach Harrison how to ride a bicycle. And I remember running behind Harrison and running and holding that seat, and he was going faster and faster. I couldn't run anymore, and I had to let go of the seat. Do you remember that moment as a parent when you let go of the seat? Does your love for your child change in any way when you let go of that seat? It doesn't, does it? You still love your child just as much as you did. But when that child falls off the bike, is it the father's fault? No. The father still loves the child. But the child made a mistake. The child turned in the wrong direction. The child slipped and fell. But the most important thing is that the child gets back up and makes room in his or her life for God to come back and touch it. So please, let's stop with any kind of hate, with any kind of unforgiveness, with any kind of um, uh, sadness in our lives, and let's let God come into it and touch it and change our grief into joy. Amen.